Good morning. It's, uh, my name is Blake. I have the privilege of being the executive pastor over at our sister church over on the northeast side, Frontline, and so my privilege to be able to come this morning and speak to you this morning. Uh, I love coming to the Center Church because Center Church always feels like family to me. I come here and I just uh, warm hugs and smiles and uh, coming from different sized churches and have you, but uh, always at Frontline ch- or at uh, Center Church here. Love the fact that it feels like family. And family's huge to me. Uh, in fact, something really incredible happened in our family just last night, and I want to share it with you guys. Uh, I'll take a little picture here. This is my youngest uh, son right there. Sorry, I get a little choked up. Um, he got engaged last night, so he's asking his girlfriend. To... Yeah, engagements have changed a little bit since I got engaged. I mean, we were there with her family and our family. He's, he's got tiki torches all lining the place. He's got a little fire there. Had his friend out in the boat shooting off fireworks after they got the okay. So, I mean, man, they go all out these days. But uh, anyway, so super excited. Megan's going to be part of our family, and she's just super. So we're, we're really pumped about that. But family is huge to me. Uh, I want to introduce you to some other part of my family. And this right here, this is my Uncle Jerry and my Aunt Millie. Now, that is an old picture of them. That is, I think, 1980, probably 1980, 1981. Uh, My Uncle Jerry passed away in 1984. I was 18 years old at the time. But uh, he had a profound effect on me uh, growing up. So let me give you a little bit of uh, history about my Uncle Jerry. Uh, 1949... He started a business on the northwest side of Grand Rapids, a little small store. Uh, He thought there was a need out that area for like a general store. So he started the store in the Standale area, and he had two employees to start off with. And in 1949, at 8 a.m. every morning, Monday through Saturday, he would gather with those two employees at 8 a.m., and they would get down on their knees, and they would pray for the store that day. Not only that, they'd pray for each other, and then they pray for the community at 8 a.m. every single day that he worked at that store. And over the years, that store started to grow a little bit and started to succeed. And it's no surprise to me. I believe the Lord was blessing that store just because they were so faithful to it. And uh, over the years, my Uncle Jerry started to accumulate a little bit more wealth. And instead of buying cars and buying houses and buying another vacation home or Something along that line. My Uncle Jerry decided to do something different with his money, uh, and he invested his money into the kingdom of God. So there was no church over on the northwest side at that time, no Wesleyan church, part of the denomination that we belong to here at the Center Church. And so uh, my Uncle Jerry, along with one other gentleman, decided to go ahead and fund the building of a church over on the northwest side of Grand Rapids in the Talmadge area, quite close to where my wife and I live today. And so that church was built, and then, you know what? They didn't have a lot of people in it, and, uh, but they needed a pastor. So my Uncle Jerry called uh, a friend of his, and they sent a pastor over there, but the church couldn't pay for him. So again, unbeknownst to many people, my Uncle Jerry funded that pastor for the first few years of the ministry. And not only that, but they needed Bibles in that church. So, you know, my Uncle Jerry was an ardent believer in the Word of God, so he purchased Bibles for that church, and uh, he belonged to an organization called the Gideons. So we got a little picture here. This is, can we see that 1973 is a picture up. He's the first guy on the right there. But uh, if you're, anybody familiar with the Gideons? We got like, if you've been in a hotel room any time in your life, you, you know next to your nightstand there, there is a Bible there. And that's placed by the Gideons. Uh, my Uncle Jerry was one of the Gideons there. 
my Uncle Jerry lived an incredible, incredible life. Very humble, but he left a legacy. A legacy that I, myself, I look at and I say, man, would I love to be half the man that he was. As we look through all of Scripture, we see the fact that leaving a lasting legacy is probably one of the most important things that we can do on this earth. All throughout the Bible, the, the people of the Bible, the great uh, men of the Bible, some of them left great legacies, some of them didn't leave such great legacies. If you've been with us for the last seven weeks, right now we're in the final week of a series called Shepherds and Kings, okay? And so today is the last week, uh, week of that, and we're wrapping this series up, and it's on the life of David. And through this series, we've been able to see the highs of David, and we've been able, unfortunately, to see the lows of David. But we're coming to the final culmination of his life right now, and the final culmination, and we're looking at what kind of legacy is David going to leave, okay? And for most people, I mean, you think of David, uh, with, he's the king of Israel, right, king of Judah, a mass amount of wealth. When people go to, uh, that have that kind of wealth and have that, that kind of significance in life, a lasting legacy that they often leave is they build a structure for themselves. And so looking at it from my point of view, when I read the Bible, I'm thinking, oh, yes, God is going to have David build his temple, right? It's going to be David's temple. It's going to have big neon lights on it. It's going to say David's temple right up there because that's what we do, right, when you have uh, uh, that kind of wealth and you're going to leave a legacy. Think about it in our own culture today. Start thinking about some of the structures around not only West Michigan, but around America, where people have left a lasting legacy. Take a look at this right here. Helen DeVos Children's Hospital, a lasting legacy to Helen DeVos. Take a look at the next one here. Rockefeller Center, anybody recognize that, been there? That is an awesome place. The Van Andel Institute, an amazing place. Cancer research going on. And right close to home here, look at this. Can't get read it real quick there, but that's the Van Single uh, Music Fine Arts Center right here in Byron Center. All amazing places, amazing places where people have donated a boatload of money and were able to get their name on the building. Now, now hear me straight out, okay? Now hear me right out. I, there's nothing wrong with that, okay? We need people <laughs> like the DeVosses. We need people like the Van Andels, the Van Singles, the Rockefellers to do that. I mean, it is awesome that they do that. In fact, if any of you would like to donate a boatload of money to the center church, you know, I'm not so certain that we wouldn't probably be able to rename the John, what do you think? We could rename the church right here, something the center church, but I'm just kidding. We, we couldn't do that. But anyway, the uh, people donate a lot of money and they get their name and ability. But the legacy that David was called to leave, the legacy that he was called to leave was not to build the temple. God said to him, he says, no, you have been a warrior your entire life and you have shed too much blood, it's going to be your son that builds the temple. So what kind of legacy will David lead? What kind of legacy will he lead? So we're going to take a look at some scripture today. So um, we're going to look at 2 Kings, or I'm sorry, 1 Kings, the second chapter. So if you have your phone or your iPad or your Bible in front of you, you can turn to that. Otherwise, I'll shoot it up on the screen here for you. But uh, let me give you a little bit of history here. We've got to get a little context before we jump into scripture because if we uh, just jump into scripture without context, we really have no idea what we're doing. So um, right now, David's getting towards the end of his life, okay? And he hasn't appointed a king yet to replace him. 
And so his son, and I'm going to murder his name, it's Adonijah, A-D-O-N-I-J-A-H, Adonijah, takes it upon himself and says, you know what, since my dad hasn't called anybody to be king, I think I'd probably be a really good one. So he goes ahead and appoints himself king. He has this massive party, has all these people in there, and he's proclaiming himself king. They're celebrating him, you know, that he is the king. And all of a sudden, Bathsheba, David's wife, if you remember Bathsheba, and Nathan the prophet find out that Adonijah is doing this. And so they go to King David and they say, hey, didn't you say Solomon was going to be the king? And yet Adonijah is, is over here saying he's king. And David says, yes, Solomon's going to be the king. So he appoints Solomon the king. He puts him on a mule, the, the king's donkey, okay, which... I don't know why they didn't put him on a stallion, but put him on a donkey, sends him through town, okay? And all of a sudden, the people realize that Solomon is the king. And man, they shout and scream, you know, because they all want Solomon. They, that was their choice, okay? So they wanted him. He goes through. The prophets, they, they're all for it. They anoint him king. Anagi, all of a sudden, what's that sound outside? Literally, that's what it says there. What is that sound out there? And what they find out is it's all the people cheering for Solomon being the king there, and all the people that were at that Adonijah's party, they all skedaddled, okay? They all took off because they don't want to be found at the wrong party because if you're at the wrong party celebrating the wrong king, things don't look good for you for the future. So they all take off. Solomon's king, and then David meets with Solomon, and now he tells him what the legacy he wants to leave. So we're going to pick up the story here. Again, 1 Kings chapter 2. So Go ahead and let's read along with me, or I'll read it real quick. Here, let me grab a drink. It says, when the time uh, drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I am about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong, show yourself a man, and observer of what the Lord your God requires. Walk in his ways and keep his decrees and his commands, his laws, his requirements, as it is written in the law of Moses so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go, and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and their soul, you, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. So what's God saying, or what's uh, David saying to Solomon here? David is telling Solomon basically two things, Okay. He's got all the stuff that he could tell him. He's telling him basically two things, okay? First thing he's telling him right here is what's important is your relationship with God. The second thing he's telling him here is your relationship with other people. Now, if you're a follower of Christ, those might sound quite familiar to you, right? Because, I mean, literally, isn't that what the Pharisees were trying to trick Jesus with when they asked him the question? They said, hey, what, uh, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, I'll love your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind. And the second one is just as important, love other people. And so David is telling Solomon, he says, hey, you're following after me. All this other stuff, this doesn't matter. Here's the two things you need to do. You need to follow God, and you need to be right with other people. You need to be right with other people. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to take that, that message that David sent to Solomon, and we're going to start breaking it apart here a little bit. So let's take a look at the first, uh, the first section here. It says, uh, 1 Kings 2.1, uh, it says, 
When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to his Solomon, his son. And so we're going to take a look. I highlighted the word charge there because that is, that's an important word. When you take a look at that word, that word charge isn't used all that often in the Bible. But when it's used, uh, it's used in a very strategic way. This word, and the Hebrew word, I'm going to sound really smart here, and I'm not real smart. All I am is I'm good at looking up things, okay? So the Hebrew word for charge is called tzavah, T-S-A-V-A-H, okay? And what tzavah means, it means command, okay? It means command. This is not a little fireside chat. I'm telling you, Solomon, I think you ought to do this. I think this would be a really good way for you to go. This is a military commander, David, telling a subordinate, this is what you're going to do. This is a command for you. There's not a lot of options here. This is a command. So I know at the Center Church there's some veterans here. I'm looking probably at one right in front of me here. There's some of you that served in the, in the armed forces. Um, and so thank you again just for your service there. I know that what a blessing that is for those of you, who, for the rest of us, that you sacrifice that way. But So you're probably going to get this a little bit better than the rest of us. But when a senior officer, the commander-in-chief, comes down and gives you a command, gives you an order, there's not a lot of question of, like, maybe I'll do this later, or there's not a lot of question of, I hope maybe I'll get to this a little bit. Or No, you skedaddle your tush, and you get out there, and you get this done, okay? So this is what David is telling Solomon. It's like, this is a command. If you're going to prosper, I've been king for 40 years. Let me tell you how it's done. This is how it's done. You follow God, and you be right with other people. So we're going to keep moving on here, and we're going to take a look at the next part. And the next part says, I am, up, I am about to go the way of all the earth. So I was thinking a little bit Lion King right there. I don't know if that strikes anything to you, but this picture of Mufasa there is, I'm sorry. Uh, he said, so be strong. Show yourself a man, observe what the Lord your God requires. So uh, I highlighted that word strong there. Uh, in the Bible, in the word strong, there's, there's two different uh, terminologies for strength and for power, okay? And so when you see the word strength or strong, okay, that means defense. That means defense. When you hear the words power in the Old Testament, that means offense, okay? So... David is telling Solomon here, you know what, Solomon? You're going to need a strong defense, okay? You're going to need a strong defense. Things are going to come against you. God is your protector. You need something around you here to protect you. I've been the attacker, and I've been the one who's been attacked. And let me tell you, the one who's been attacked, if they have a great defense, it's better for you. It's really a lot better for you. So I know I don't look like it, but uh, I used to coach football, okay? And uh, I coached football for a number of years. And fortunately for me, because I'm not real good defense, but I coached the offense. I had the, I had the running backs, I had the quarterbacks, I had the wide receivers. And the offense is a lot of fun because you get to score all the points and they get all the glory, right? Those are the people you see, the Tom Brady's and the Ben Roethlisberger's. You see, those are the guys that get all the glory. But I'm going to tell you what wins championships. Defense wins championships. And when you see the Super Bowl champions, usually it's the, guy, that's the teams that have the defense that win the championships. David is telling Solomon, hey, you want to win this thing as being the king? You need a strong defense. You need to have a great protector around you. Not only is a good protector around you, but you have to just 
circle yourselves here, not being offensive all the time, but being defensive to the fact that there's going to be a world around you that's going to try to push and it's going to try to change you. And you, you need to be grounded and you need to be grounded in your faith here in the Lord Jesus Christ. David's telling his son, you need to be strong. You need to know where your true protection is. He goes on to say, uh, to the next thing he says to, oops, I think we skipped a man. He goes, act like a man. Do we have that in there? Act like a man. Um, show yourself a man. And uh, so we take a look at that. It's, I've probably used that terminology, act like a man. I don't know if you've done it. I, I have two boys, and so uh, there's been times when my boys got hurt or something like that. If you've had sons, you kind of know they're, they kind of sometimes a little wimpy sometimes, <laughs> different things. And as you tell them, you go like, hey, you know, come on, act like a man, you know, act like a man. And what am I saying there? I'm saying like, you know what, it's time for you to grow up. And I think David is basically telling Solomon the same thing. Solomon, you know what, you have to be a man here. You have to grow up. You have to live out the faith as a man would live out faith. It's not time to be a child. It's time to be a man here. He goes on to say, he says, goes in his, we go to the next one, he says, walk in his ways. When we talk about walk in his ways. Um, what's he talking about there? What's he talking about? This right here is what he's talking about. He's talking about you have to know his ways. His ways are the Bible, his decrees, his commands, his laws, his requirements. David knew his strength came from the Lord. David knew his strength came from knowing God's word. The things of this world are going to come at you. You need this strong defense. One of the greatest parts of your defense, David, is God's word right here. It's your word. How do we know that? The Bible tells us that, right? The Bible tells us that. I'm probably... If I look around here, I'm probably the least handy person in, in, in this room right here, okay? I, uh, uh, I don't have uh, the gift of being able to, uh, to fix a lot of things. Um, I'll tell you what, I've got a lot of tools. I don't know how they all work, but I've got a lot of tools. And, uh, but my greatest tool, my greatest tool, I left it down there, my greatest tool is my phone, okay? That is my greatest tool because in my phone... I have a list and a contacts in there, and I got contacts, and I got a guy, okay? I got a guy. Uh, if I need plumbing, I got a guy. I got electrical, I got a guy, you know? I need heating and cooling, I got a guy, you know? So any of those things, that's, you know, I call somebody. And I'll tell you what, there's every once in a while when I get a little bit of gumption and it scares my wife to death that I'm going to try a project on my own, okay? But when I do try a project on my own, I'm that guy that puts the instructions like right next to me there and I'm looking at them and following them and doing it and following them or doing that or looking on YouTube following it. And let me tell you, I've done a few projects that I'm kind of proud of myself with that I didn't think I could do. But here it is. I had the instruction manual. I had the instruction manual. I couldn't do it on my own. David's telling Solomon, man, you got the instruction manual. It's right here. Here's your instruction manual. You can do this. Take the instruction manual. I've been king for 40 years. I know what it's, this word says. You can be king. You can do it right. Just follow this. Folks, this, this isn't just a book, okay? This right here, this is the very presence of God. Think about that. This isn't just a book. This is the very presence of God holding to my hand. And if you have one, it's in your hand. David says to Solomon, man, if you're going to do this, Follow this way. 
Let's move on a little bit. He goes on, he says, so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. Uh, guess, guess what prosper means in, in Hebrew? Anybody know what prosper means in Hebrew? It means prosper. Okay, there's no hidden movie. It just, it just means prosper. Okay, there's nothing fancy about it. Uh, what does he want? Here again, commander talking to uh, a charge to, to his subordinate. But here, all of a sudden, it's dad talking to son, I think. He says, man, I want the best for you. Man, I want the best for you. I want to see you prosper. There is so much out there that you can do, Solomon, and I just want to see you go for it. I mean, as a parent, I honestly believe there's an intrinsic part of each one of us that wants to see our kids do well, don't we? I mean, we want to see them succeed. I showed that picture at the start there with my son. I mean, I'm like, wow, he's prospering. He's doing well. I am so proud. There's been so many times over, over my life where I've been watching my kids and I mean, I was one of those involved parents that my kids were younger. I was at all of the sporting events. I mean, every football game for my son, every softball game for my daughter. And I would watch them out on the field. And man, I just wanted them to do so well. And if you're a parent, you know that, right? And you, and you want them to do well because if we're real with ourselves, if we're honest with ourselves, the reason we want them to do so well is because there's a little piece of me down on that field isn't there there's a little piece of you're going like man they did well and you feel you know you feel some pride you're going like my kid did well you know and I and I don't think there's anything wrong with that to tell you the truth I mean there's a certain sense that that gets way too wrong but for the most part you don't want to stifle that I mean when your kid does well and you feel prideful of them you should be expressing that think how our heavenly father feels when we do something right doesn't he He's got to be proud of us. He's got to be going like, yeah, that's my kid. You know, I'm doing, he's doing really, really well. But here's the question. When, if you're a parent and your child doesn't do well, what happens then, right? What happens then? That's the time you come and you put your arm around them and you say, you know what, it's going to be okay. Hey, there's a next time. You can do this. You got this. We'll get them the next time. It's okay. You know what? There's a tomorrow. I think God does the same with us when we kind of disappoint him. He puts his arm around us and says, you know what? As far as the east is from the west, man, we're going to forget tomorrow. We're going to forget that. We're going to start clean. We're going to start fresh. He forgives us. The grace of God transcends and goes above all of that, covers all of that. Solomon was receiving this from his dad. He's saying, man, to be proud of you. Go ahead and do this. You got this. You got this. If you're taking notes this morning, this might be something you want to write down. My worth is not based on what I do, but rather by whom I serve. Can you say that this morning? Your worth is based not by what you do, but by whom you serve. That's what David was telling Solomon. He said, man, I am proud of you. I am proud of you. You're going to do great here. But your worth is not based on everything you do. It's by whom you serve. Remember, he gave him the charge. Love God and love other peoples. We'll finish up here. And it says, the last thing, it says, and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. Now, I'll be honest. When I read that the first time, I, I thought of that. And I thought, wow, that took kind of a turn, okay? Because I thought, you know, David all of a sudden got a little selfish here, you know? The thing like, hey, 
you can do this, and I want you for this, and I want for this, and I want for this. And then, you know why I want all this stuff for you? Because uh, so God can keep his promise to me, you know. That's, that's why I want you, all this stuff to happen to you. But when you look at it more intensely, and you look into it a little bit more, you start to feel like, no, this isn't, this isn't a dad saying, do this because I, I want all the glory. This is a dad saying to his son, you know what? You serve and I serve a God of promises. He keeps all of his promises. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, you know what? I don't care what it is, what you're doing, but the promise that God offers to you, it's right here. It's yours for the taking. He's been a God to me all my entire life. I've had the highs, I've had the lows, but you know what? He's been faithful the entire time, and he's kept his promises. He's kept his promises. He is a God of promises. You want to miss that. That's an important part, that he is a God of promises. It comes down to this with David telling Solomon, hey, you know what? I love you. You got to love God, and you got to love other people. And I'm a God who promises that if you do that, your throne, your kingdom, it is going to soar. You are going to be awesome. You are going to do awfully, awfully well. And that's the legacy that I want to leave for you. Now, if you're sitting here this morning, maybe you're saying, man, that's an awesome legacy. That's an awesome legacy. I wish I would have had that legacy. I wish I would have been in a part of that where I had somebody like a David speak into me and tell me that. And you know what? Maybe you didn't have that. But know what? You can be that to the next person. It doesn't have to be to your kid either. You can leave a legacy. My Uncle Jerry left a legacy for me. It doesn't have to be a father to a son. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like just forging a new path and you're just new to this whole Christianity thing and you're like, man, that sounds like a lot. You know what? Probably is a lot right off the bat. But take that first step. Start loving God. Start loving God with all your heart. You can't imagine the legacy you're going to leave to those that come behind you if you love God. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what? I'm towards the back end of life right now. My kids are grown and, you know, I didn't maybe do a great job of that and the legacy I left isn't probably all that great. Man, there's a new tomorrow. As I just said, you can start fresh today. Start loving God. Start loving other people. That legacy will transcend all of the stuff that happened there and that's the legacy you can leave for those who come after you. That's the legacy. David said to Solomon, here's the legacy. Love God and love other people. I'm going to take you back to the year uh, 2010. 2010. I was uh, not a pastor in 2010. I was transitioning, actually, from um, working in my Uncle Jerry's store that I had been working in for 25 years. It had changed quite a bit, but transitioning into going into, the, into, uh, into ministry. And so 2010, I was working part-time in the store, and I was going to school part-time. My schedule was all crazy, but I had been there for 25 years, and uh, I knew many of my customers. And I was working in the Hallmark part of our store at that day, and I'll never remember, uh, forget that it was like a November day, okay? And uh, one of my customers came in. Her name was Kelly. 
And I've seen Kelly from the time almost that she grew up to right now where she's 28 years old, she's married, uh, she has two beautiful little girls. And she comes into the store, and it's in a cold winter day. She's got a coat on. She's got a big hat on, you know, and she's shopping for cards. And so I say hello to her, and I go about my stuff. Um, a little bit later, she comes to the register, and she just, like, dumps, like, this whole load of cards onto the table, onto the counter. And so I'm like, wow, she's stocking up, you know. It's, the holidays are coming or what have you. So I start ringing them up. And I say to her, I said, man, these are a lifetime worth of cards here. And uh, it gets kind of quiet. And uh, I'm still ringing up. And she uh, takes her hat off. And I look at Kelly, and um, Kelly's as bald as I am at that point. Uh, she, um, she says to me, she goes, I don't know if you heard Blake or not, but um, I've been... Uh, battling brain cancer. And so, um, I mean, I'm storing up cards. I'm like, what do you say to that, right? I mean, I'm sorry or, or what, but she's just, she, so gracious. She knew the awkward silence and she says, yeah, I've been been battling it for a few months now, and um, there's really not much they can do anymore. And so, I'm buying all these cards for my girls. And so, she's, um, I'm looking at a little bit closer to the cards, and, you know, there's a birthday cards and there's graduation cards and there's wedding cards and uh, so I so I ring up all those cards and, and she's making small talk and, and she says to me she says would it be okay if I went in the little corner over there we had a little table over there with a chair she goes if I could fill a few of those cards out she says, I mean, if I get home, the girls are on me, and, you know, I just want to leave, like, some quiet and do that. So I said, yeah, whatever you need, Kel. And so she went over to the corner over there, and she started filling them out. And then uh, about 20 minutes later, I was just, you know, feeling crappy because I put my foot in my mouth and <laughs> didn't know what I was supposed to do. So I just went and checked on her and said, hey, is it, can I get you anything? Can I, you know, help you with anything? And she's like... Can you read this real quick? I started reading a graduation card that she was giving to her daughter. And in that card was the most beautiful from a mom to a daughter courage passion faithfulness is all in there she was just it was it was beautiful most beautiful card I've ever written I mean 
She could have just scribbled out all the stuff from Hallmark. It was just, it was great what she wrote in there. And I read it, and she's like, how is that? And I'm like, it's beautiful, Kelly. It's just beautiful. So I, I gave it back to her. And uh, we uh, said goodbyes, and that was the last time I got to see Kelly. She died right after the holidays. And um, I thought to myself, I mean, what a legacy that mom left for their daughter. She's not going to be there to be able to see any of this. But those daughters are going to have just a piece of their mom for the rest of their life. Like you said, it was 2010, you know, so that was eight years ago. The daughter graduated this year. And I thought to myself, what kind of card was that when she got that card from her mom? I wonder what kind of legacy we're leaving. What kind of legacy we're leaving. Are we building temples? Or are we leaving a legacy of faithfulness, of God, of treating other people? You see, here's the thing about temples, okay? As great as Solomon's temple was, as awesome as that was, it's not here anymore. It's crumbled, right? As great as all of those things I showed you, the children's hospital, as awesome as that is, as awesome as all these things, eventually it's a building. It crumbles. The only lasting legacy that matters is the faithfulness in God passed down from one generation to the next generation. So I ask you this morning, what kind of legacy are you leaving? Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you this morning. We thank you for how you continually show yourself new each day. Thank you, Lord, that you are a loving God. Thank you for the legacy that Kelly left, Lord, that even though she left this earth, and she is living with you in glory, and she has no regrets in that respect, Lord, but that her daughters will come into a faithful and loving relationship with you because their mom was faithful on this side of heaven. Pray, Lord, that you continue to move in each one of our own lives as we think about today, Lord, what kind of legacy are we leaving? Are we just building this temple, things that will just fade away eventually? Are we investing in the things that are going to last? Lord, I pray for each person in Center Church right now, Lord, that they are investing in the things that are going to last in eternity. Pray, Lord, that it's not too late for those who said, you know, hey, I can't leave a great legacy. I didn't do all this well stuff beforehand. Today's a fresh new day, Lord. May it be for them a fresh new day that they can say, yes, today I'll serve you, God, and I'll serve others. We ask, Lord, that you would be honored and that you would be glorified in our actions, not only today, but in the days to come. I pray this in your name and all God's people said. Would you stand with us? We're going to sing one more song today.